Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage. Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Let's roll. Level two, this is Sports Rage. I am Gable Moranzi. Series 6, I'm Channel 159. The big E, Eric Cohen, uh, will step up and uh, join us, as will Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano. We'll talk more college football, NFL football, Major League uh, Baseball, CFL football game uh, tonight. The Edmonton Elks 22-game home losing streak is over. I'm assuming that Mick Aussie is painting the town uh, right now in the EDM as uh, the Edmonton Elks get their first ever home win as the Edmonton Elks. They changed their name from the Edmonton Eskimos to the Edmonton Elks. And it should be noted, they were not under any scrutiny to change the name. Like, nobody was complaining about the name. Now, for the record... I personally feel that the Washington Redskins was an offensive name, and they did the correct thing in changing it. Eskimos, you know, at some point, right, like where where do we draw the line about getting too crazy with this stuff? But they don't even call them Eskimo pies anymore, right, Those, those ice cream bars. So, but the thing is, a new owner bought the team and wanted to get proactive, basically. You know what I mean? It was a new owner. He's like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about changing the name. You know, like, you know, that was in, you know, that was trendy, you know, about five years ago, four or five years ago, right? changing names. So he actually went and spoke, like, to, like, he went to the Inuit and he went up to, like, the North Pole. Like, he went up and he spoke to, like, all these groups and people and stuff. And there was no real consensus. They were like, we really appreciate you asking us, but you know, we weren't offended. But now that you, and but yeah, I guess you should change it, right? They were like, so it was one of those deals. So, anyways, they changed it to the Edmonton Elks, which was a pretty good name, actually. Like it was a pretty good save, better than the Commanders. So it was a pretty good save, Edmonton Elks, because the helmet was the same. E E. They didn't have to change anything, right? It was just like now we're the Elks, and you know, Edmonton Elks sounds like a CFL name. It was a good name, but a lot of people weren't happy. Right, the tradition of the Edmonton Eskimos, they won like, you know, five times in a row. They had Ward Moon and you know, they they were they have a great tradition. So they weren't happy with it. Especially considering they were like, no one asked you to change the name. So what are you changing the name for? 
So they changed the name, and they never won a home game since. It took 1,415 days. <laughs> That's a long time, man. 365 days a year, think 1,415 days without a home win. And they love the team. Just absolute torture. We should note it was, it was a little longer because of COVID, right? The CFL didn't play. So... It was a little, the CFL took, the CFL played one year in the COVID year. Like, they, they played like a 14, but the CFL missed out, like, completely. So, that added to it. It sounds longer than it really was, but 22 home games in a row they lost. They won tonight. The thing is, they were one-point favorites, so it's not like, oh, hey, what a call. Let's roll. The quickest 180 minutes in sports talk radio. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moranzi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Bustler, and everybody else in between. We're kicking it. Countdown to kickoff is on. The college football season has already begun, uh, but the National Football League uh, regular season now just uh, 10 days away. The Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs. Looking at the point spreads uh, for week one, the Chiefs are laying six and a half points in this football game against the uh, visiting Detroit Lions. The total is 54. The Washington Commanders are laying seven to the Arizona Cardinals. And last week we were talking about it being contest season in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm going to be at the Circa this Saturday, entering into the Circa Survivor. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We're gonna enter the survivor contest. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take a shot at the six million dollar grand prize <laughs> of the survivor tournament uh, over at the Circa. Come say hi if you're gonna be there on Saturday afternoon. I'll also be over at the the uh, the Superbook as well. So I'll be in a couple of places on Saturday in Vegas and. I got to tell you, the Washington, the Washington Commanders are actually on my list of teams that I'm considering playing as a survivor pick. People, people are not, you know what I mean, going to want to take the Washington Commanders in week one of a survivor tournament and, and trust them not to, like, screw you over and knock you out in week one, but... I believe that this would be the time to do it. We're not going to take the Washington Commanders against the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles or something like that. But the Arizona Cardinals um, are going to be a pretty—they're going to be a pretty bad football team uh, this year. So I think the um, the Washington Commanders will beat the Arizona Cardinals. Carolina Panthers, for the record, the uh, Commanders are seven-point favorites in this football game. Total is thirty-eight and a half. Carolina Panthers. Get three and a half in Atlanta. Atlanta better like Atlanta better be playing us, right? It better be like yeah. Listen, we were like freaking terrible every time you saw us play, but trust us behind the scenes, we're looking good. The late night anger management class. This is sports rage. Vent your rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gabriel Morenci, Sirius XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Networks. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, including everybody listening in Southern California, the Mightier 1090, ESPN Radio, the 50,001 Juggernaut in the house. And so is the Big E, Eric Cohen, TSN Edge, joins us right now, a former colleague of ours and a partner in crime and a nightly contributor on the Late Night Anger Management class. And I think Cohen's got some anger and some <laughs> rage to vent. Vent your rage. How you doing, Cohen, tonight? Uh, you know, Gabe, back when we did that show, uh, we had a segment we did, and, you know, you came up with it. I thought it was outstanding. It was the uh, Beef Wad 5000, you know, who ruined your night? That was, you know, what we did. It was a, uh, you know, the, the athlete, the team, whatever it was that ruined your night. Well, I've got a team that's ruined my summer, and they are the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, an absolute disgrace what they've become. The You know, this last season against the Guardians is probably the icing on the cake, but uh, just the, the most irritating, frustrating baseball team I think I've ever watched is the 2023 edition of the Toronto Blue Jays. They just find ways to lose on a nightly basis, and tonight was one of the most painful losses I think they've had all season that probably seals their fate when it comes to being a playoff team. You look at this baseball team's record, and they're not a terrible baseball team, but quite frankly, they don't play – at a level high enough consistently to compete with the elite teams, Cohen. And, you know, they they just make too many mistakes. Uh, number one, runners in scoring position is just terrible uh, as far as them cashing in and getting guys on base. They're ranked, you know, between 20, you know, 22nd, 25th on a daily basis with runners in scoring position. The pitching has been good, but it just seems like they make mistakes at the wrong time all the time, Cohen. It's not like a one-off, and especially in close baseball games. You know, I, I think, you know, you watch a lot of baseball. Generally, you know, you, you might see six or seven times in a season where a pitcher is pulled from a game and they're really pissed off and they throw their glove or they, you know, kick a Gatorade container. For whatever reason, the Blue Jays, this seems to happen on a daily basis that a pitcher is pulled by John Schneider and he's just pissed off. Happened again today with Jordan Romano. Um, it, it's so weird to watch. It just seems like you're right. You know, they're good. But they're not good enough. And the mistakes they made, you talk about base running mistakes. You know, they fight back to tie the game. They get a leadoff double by Danny Jansen today in the ninth inning. Uh, and, you know, let's be honest. you, you got to score that run. It's a 6-6 game. It's a must-win game. 
You got your lead-up double. The next guy bunts, and, he, and, and Jansen's thrown out a third. You know, just base running mistake, base running mistake constantly. Um, you know, I, again, today, they, you know, they had, they had a chance to walk off in the ninth, a chance to walk off in the tenth with a ghost runner on second and nobody out. And as you mentioned, they can't hit with runners in scoring position. That plagues them in the tenth. Uh, it, just, it, it was just infuriating to watch. Uh, the little things, and, 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 you know, the Blue Jays just have this unbelievable ability of making pitchers with ERAs of around five, like today, Noah Syndergaard, and some of the other guys they faced in Cincinnati and Cleveland, they just, they, 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 you know, they're, they're mediocre to below average pitchers, and somehow they shut down the Blue Jays for five, six innings. The bats are incredibly inconsistent. It really, really is so frustrating to watch, and, you know, they're in a position now, they're two and a half games back, of a, of a playoff spot. So they're going to need to catch Seattle, Houston, or Texas. Um, I just don't see it happening with one month left. The Jays just don't, they haven't strung together wins. They don't get on these long winning streaks and their next four opponents, Washington, Colorado, Oakland, Kansas city, all four of these teams have ERAs of 4.9 or higher. And somehow the blue Jays will make some of these, you know, loser pitchers look good. And, you know, really, in, they're going to have to win 10 or 11 of their next 12 games against these four bottom-feeding teams to even have a shot. And I just don't have the faith they're going to be able to do it. And, and as we see, Cole, listen, the Washington Nationals aren't an easy team to deal with uh, right now. We saw Colorado give Tampa Bay all that they can handle. This is it. Like, the next, they have a three-game set with the Washington Nationals uh, in Toronto. Then they go to Colorado. They go to Oakland. Then they host Kansas City. If they don't go on one of these runs and rack up some W's here, Cohen, I mean this, this, this needs to be like a ten and two, yeah. a nine and three run to play themselves back in it. It seems to me, and let me ask you, you watch this team more than I do, but, and I watch them quite a bit. I should say, you know what? I see all their weeknight games, Cohen, because they come on at seven o'clock, right? and I'm doing the yeah. show with the Rachel Reddick, Cam Stewart, and right. there's not Cam has bet the Blue Jays every game this year, Cohen. <laughs> Every game. No, I'm dead serious. Like, there's like maybe like once a month he'll come on. He'll be like, oh, I don't really like them. But by the time the first pitch starts, he takes them. You know what I mean? Like, Well, it's funny because, you know, betting the Blue Jays, and, and it's the Leafs have the same problem. They're a very, very popular team when it comes to. Yes. Like, they're, they're favored all the time, the Blue Jays. Going yesterday on CBSSports.com's yeah. baseball page said Dark Horses for the World Series, and they were talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm thinking, yeah. Dark Horse for the World Series? Yeah. You got to get in the damn playoffs first. We sound like Mora. Playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to get there. It's like, funny. because no you look, uh, They're turning the Chargers, Cohen. They're I know. the Chargers. Everybody, oh, the Jays are dangerous. Yeah. And you still, well, if they get into the playoffs, they're going to be really dangerous. I'm like, what? Like, what? They're, them and their two, 248 batting average <laughs> with runners in scoring position? <laughs> you know, that scares people? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you, you look at them on paper and their rotation could be the best one to five in all of baseball when you consider how well Kikuchi and Barrios have pitched. And you've got an Ace and Gossman who gets absolutely no run support. Uh, you know, a very good, uh, you know, a very good number two. Chris Bassett has, has pitched well for most of the year. I mean, they, they've pitched so well. And then Hung Jim Ryu's come back from injury and pitched well that, they, you know, they don't know what to do with Alec Manoa because, um, you know, here's a guy that was third in Cy Young voting last year. Now he's clearly the sixth best option. And, you know, they, they, he doesn't want to go to Buffalo. They're having issues with that. They sent him down two weeks ago. He never goes down. The Jays then come up with a story about, well, we just did some tests, right? Like they're not, there's, there's clearly some issues with this baseball team where they're, they're not being honest about what's actually happening here. And, you know, they got a great rotation. They got a really good bullpen, but now injuries are catching up today. 
you know, Bichette and Chapman go down. If they lose those two guys for any length of time, um, you know, this team's in big trouble. They're, they're, as we said, they're going to have to go 10 and 2 their next 12 down a shot. And I, I just don't believe in them right now. Right now, um, I don't believe this team gets in. And it's too bad because, yeah, they're favored every night. They're expected to win every night. They're just not performing to where their ability should be based on the roster. We're kicking it with a big year, Cohen. And it was last year that they replaced Charlie Montoya. So mm-hmm. the, the Toronto Blue Jays replaced their manager because they didn't think he was X and O's enough or analytical enough and just sort of too friendly with the players and not, you know, they wanted a more sort of professional approach in their eyes. Yet they bring up uh, John Schneider and has anything really been any different? And it seems to me the Blue Jay fan are every bit as frustrated with Schneider as they were, were with Montoya. So yeah. I was just saying, maybe it wasn't Montoya. At some point, the players have to have to look in the mirror and and deliver in crunch situations and in clutch situations. But at the same point in time, I get the feeling Schneider doesn't really have any answers, Cole. And he just sort of says, well, we got to start off and winning. And like he, yeah. he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really seem to know what buttons to push. Well, you know, the, the, the tough part about that is that, you know, Schneider was the AAA coach when all the core guys were down there, right? So he's coached Bichette. And that's why he got the job, because he's that's known right. Guerrero for six years. He's known exactly. Bichette for years, yeah. Exactly. So he he coached these guys growing up. He knows these guys. Um, he's well, loyal. He started in Vancouver in their A-ball affiliate. He's worked that's his way up, but it doesn't mean he's a good big league manager still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, he, you know what? But the thing about him is he's loyal to a T, right? He'll go up there and defend uh, Vladdy Guerrero and Bo Bichette. And, and, I mean, like, you know, Bichette's had a great year. Vladdy is not. Vladdy's really only had one good year at the major league level, and that was the year that, you know, they played in three parks, and two of them were minor league parks. But, you know, you, let's be honest. He didn't have a great year last year. He hasn't had a great year this year. What's the best thing he's done this year? Hit 9,000 home runs in a home run derby when they're throwing 50 miles an hour to him? Like, he just hasn't had a great year. He's not been able to get to the next level. And he doesn't really have a manager that's going to push him because obviously Schneider's got a good relationship with him. He's going to support him. He's going to do everything he can. And he tried that with Alec Manoa and, you know, that blew up. And, and, you know, now they have no clue what to do with him, but this whole friendly approach thing, just has not worked. And yeah, you're right. Schneider's under the gun because people want answers and he's got none. He's no answers right now. And the organization. I tell you, the brass and the CEO and, you know, this is a corporate board that runs this team. They're going to expect answers, too, when they spent as much money as they did to get Mm -hmm. the results that they're getting. More with the big era coming on the other side. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The late night egg match for Cross continues. This is Sports Ranch. I am Gabriel Branch. I want to get to the big era Cohen's NFL best bets and talk some football. But as far as baseball is concerned, uh, Cohen, the Seattle Mariners, these guys are just on a, a tear of all tears uh, right now. And they're not thinking about the wild card. They want to win a division. They want to go to the World Series. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because the Mariners were supposed to be sellers right up in the trade deadline. And everyone was talking about, you know, where where would Teoscar Hernandez go? What other pieces would they move? Uh, they did trade their closer. But the thing about Seattle is they got so many arms in their bullpen um, that it didn't affect them. They, they've gone on a massive heater. Uh, you know, you, you can you can certainly look at the schedule and say, well, you know, they've been sweeping the White Sox and sweeping the Royals twice. Uh, but they did go into Houston and sweep the Astros last week, and that was a big thing for them to go in there and beat Houston three times in their ballpark. And you're right now, uh, they're they're the favorite to win the ALS. And they were 10 games back one month ago. I don't think I, I, can, I can't remember the last time a team has gone from 10 games back to leading its division uh, with and, and doing it in a month. Uh, and that's what the Mariners have done. They took advantage of the fact that the Texas Rangers went into a big, uh, had a big nosedive and Houston hasn't played very well. And yeah, the Mariners look really good right now. Very dangerous lineup and they're pitching. Uh, you know, they're pitching a second to none and they got, they got two or three aces and this is doing it without Robbie Ray who got hurt early in the year. Uh, and as I mentioned, they traded their closer and they struggled offensively for most of the year. But boy, they've really turned it on right now. And I don't think anybody wants to play the Seattle Mariners. The big year, Cohen, kick with us is countdown to kickoff is on the National Football League regular season is rapidly approaching. How do you feel, Cohen, about uh, week one when you look at the card in the NFL? Do you like it? Do you like a lot of games, a few games? What do you think of the week one point spreads? Yeah, you know, I, I talked to you about it last time I was on and I did say that uh, I did like the Cleveland Browns week one. I'm sticking with that. I do feel like uh, it's a good spot for them. I will be fading the Bengals um, early on with just, just based on the situation uh, with Joe Burrow. Obviously, we saw last year the same type of thing with them where he didn't play in the preseason of the appendectomy, and he was really, really rusty week one against the Steelers. So uh, I'm going to hope that history repeats itself and the Bengals get off to a slow start. I like the Browns as a home underdog. I mean, Cleveland's own Cincinnati at home over the last six years, too. So that's one game I'm definitely looking at. Um, taking a look at the rest of the uh, week one slate, I am going to lay the, the two and a half points with San Francisco, and I know there's a lot of talk about Pittsburgh and how good Kenny Pickett's looked in the preseason. He's been great, but that's the preseason. I do believe that when push comes to shove, you get you have to lay less than a field goal uh, with the 49ers in that game. I, I'm on board. I think San Francisco can win that game. I think it's a very short spread, so... Definitely another game I'm, I'm really looking at. Uh, and then after that, I think it's, um, you know, slim pickings as far as what, what you can expect right now. I do think, um, you know, the over is probably the, uh, the way to go in the Dolphins-Chargers game they played last year, and there were a lot of points. And I know it's early in the year, and offenses won't be completely uh, in sync. But I just think the, the amount of playmakers and speed that those two teams have, that's a game that probably goes over 50. So that's what I'm looking at right now for week one. But let me ask you, what, what do you like for week one? Is there something that I should be on the lookout for? 
you know, I'm a little bit weary of, number one, I'll just say Joe Burrow is healthier than he was last year at this time. Mm-hmm. So he has recovered. We have we have a beat writer on the covers of Cincinnati Bengals. And they say, you know what, Burrow is fine right now. He actually, yeah. last yep. yeah, so last year, I know that he was sort of, it was sort of rushed last year. It's, so he's yes. not being rushed back uh, this time around. I have my concerns, Colin. I'm buying into the hype of the Pittsburgh Steelers Okay. Uh, right now. I, I am buying that hype. I tell you what, we're still a little ways away, but you look at the San Francisco 49ers. They took our boy, and Cohen's a Michigan fan, uh, Jake Moody, uh, the yep. kicker. He got hurt. Um, then their, their their other kicker got hurt, so they might be rolling in with with a field goal kicker just sort of off the street, which is crazy because they had Robbie Gold before. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's week one, Cohen. Who really, you know what I mean? Who really, really knows what, how this is going to play out? But I'm not going to lie, I do lean – uh, with the San Francisco uh, 49ers. And I can tell you, um, I like the New York Giants on Sunday night football in week one. I know the Cowboys have had a good history uh, at MetLife Stadium, but if you remember, Eli Manning used to always win it uh, at Jerry's World when they opened it up as well. I think our boy Brian Dable and Daniel Jones are ready to really, really put some points up on the board uh, this year. Second year in the offense, getting three and a half points, Cohen. Sunday night, 9-11 celebrate, you know, um, mm-hmm. Um, ceremonies and 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 national television first game of the year I'm not ready to lay four points like with with the Dallas Cowboys so I do like the New York Giants plus the three and a half but I wanted to ask you there's a lot there has been a lot of talk and people were some people are shocked like wow the Dallas Cowboys were the ones that acquired Trey Lance and Mm -hmm. some people out there are sort of you know mocking Trey Lance of course they're taking shots at the San Francisco 49ers then it becomes, wow, they're doing this because Dak Prescott sucks and, and all that type of stuff. Well, I'll tell you who else uh, made an offer for Trey Lance. The Buffalo Bills. And they actually admitted it. Normally, teams will deny and say, you know, we don't talk about stuff that has nothing to do with us. Yet, they didn't deny it. And they said, yeah, we did. We made an offer for Trey Lance, but Dallas's offer was better, evidently. Interesting that the Bills wanted to bring Trey Lance in. Well, I'm confused, though. Dallas's offer was better. They gave up, like, a mid-round, fourth-round pick. The, the, the Bills wanted That's a good point. So, like, you really wanted them, but you only offered a fifth-round pick? Yeah, Dallas gave a fourth-round pick up, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what a bust, though. Like, I mean, you got this is probably one of the biggest busts in NFL history that the 49ers gave up what they gave up to get Trey Lance. But and, that's more on them than him, Cohen, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That, that, but that's on the that's, that is on the 49ers. Um, they got they got lucky that obviously they fell into Brock Purdy, um, and yeah. somehow you take Mr. Irrelevant with the last pick, and you trade yeah. up four picks to get the guy with the third pick, and it ends right. up being Mr. Irrelevant of plays. He better be good, <laughs> otherwise, like you know, what I mean, there people are going to start to notice that they screwed up with Trey Lance. And I got my doubts about Brock Purdy. I'm not I'm not 100 sold that Brock Purdy's the answer quarterback for them just because he won a bunch of games with them last year. And we see quarterbacks get hot all the time, Cole. It doesn't mean they're good. Well, the other option now that they traded Trey Lance is Sam Darnold, who's like, you that's know, insane. Another bust, right? Like, it's it's another guy who was a major bust as a first round pick. Like, so the 49ers gave up on a guy they gave up the world to to draft in the first round. They've they've now given a backup role to a former first round pick who a bunch of other teams gave up on, and they're they're rolling with a guy who was picked with the last pick of the NFL draft, right? Like it's. It's a crazy situation in San Francisco, but they just cut so much talent all over the place that, you know, luckily for them, um, you know, they Brock Purdy turned out to win some games and 
and to be this because otherwise, like, what else do you do? Don't forget that Jimmy Garoppolo was starting games for them last year. Like, they've been all over the map with trying to figure out who's, who's their quarterback's going to be. So they better hope that Brock Purdy works out. How do you feel at the Bills game against the Jets Monday Night Football, September 11th? Yeah, you know what? Listen, if you follow, you know, the Bills writers, and I know you do, there's a lot of question marks right now. Everyone's questioning what the deal with Stephon Diggs is. I guess, you know, yesterday they, you know, Allen and Diggs both played, and there was a play where, again, Diggs had a a little bit of a temper tantrum on the sidelines because, you know, you you got the two balls, but there was a ball that that wasn't where it was supposed to be, and he was upset. Uh, I do worry a little bit about that. I worry a little bit about the offensive line. Um, obviously major changes with, uh, McDermott now calling the defense with left Wesley Frazier gone. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but there's definitely a lot more question marks going into this year's bill season. than there was going into last year's team. I agree, but it might be a good thing. I think the bills have been a little complacent the last couple of years yeah. and or entitled. It seems to be a little different. I think guys are actually starting to get frustrated for real. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, you know what I mean? We're not winning because of this, but they you can't turn on each other. But I gotta tell you, the first month of the season is gonna be critical for the Bills uh this year. And also, this is on them as well for not reading the room and realizing that this is the beginning of the end with Diggs Cohen, right? Unless they win the yeah. Super Bowl. I mean, how does this it's begun? It is what it is. They're gonna have to get him the ball, get him some touchdowns, but I don't mind this. The last few years, you know, we all were crowning our ass, Dennis Green style. So now, now there's more of a, yeah, let's see what you guys can actually do uh, out there. Cole, we got about a minute and a half uh, left. I know you're a wrestling fan. It was a rough week uh, in the wrestling world. You know, Terry Funk is one thing. I mean, the guy was, you know, lived a hardcore, yeah. over-the-top lifestyle with getting smashed over the head with light bulbs and stuff. Um, but he was 79 years old. Yeah. Um, Bray Wyatt, bro, Wyndham Rotunda, 36 years old, Cohen, and not one of these cases, well, well, the wrestling business got someone and, you know, steroids or coke, and he died an alcoholic in a hotel room. Uh, just so tragic for his wife, his kids. Really sucks that uh, Bray Wyatt passed away. Yeah, really, really terrible situation, and, and it was just weird because he, you know, he had a disease that, you know, he had before WrestleMania, which took him out of his WrestleMania match with, Bobby Lashley and, and put him on the shelves, but we were hearing reports that, you know, he had gotten over this illness and he was, um, you know, he was healthy. And then, you know, he just suffers this heart attack that sort of comes out of nowhere. And, uh, you, you know, the crazy thing is that he's, you know, the second person in the, in this, you know, wrestling, uh, faction called the Wyatt family to die at a very young age, right? Brody Lee died really unexpectedly a couple of years ago as well. Uh, very young, same situation, young kid, young wife. And uh, to, to have this happen, yeah, obviously everybody was in shock. But the WWE did a really nice job on Friday on SmackDown with the tributes to both uh, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. And, and you know, the wrestlers, you can see, were very shaken by this. But, yeah, you're right. It's not like the old, like, you know, steroids or painkillers or drugs and booze and all the other things that took all these guys in the 80s and 90s. This was a guy who, just a regular a regular guy who just unfortunately had some severe health issues come and unexpected tragic death. And obviously the wrestling community is definitely mourning uh, the premature loss of Bray Wyatt. The Big E, Eric Cohen, TSN Edge. Cohen, great catching up with you. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. down to the track put it all on a horse why don't you put it in the bank bank this is found money i want to parlay it i want to make a big score oh you mean you want to lose it The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Moretz. And the pistol players, the hustlers, the people to bust them, and everybody else in between. Let's do this thing. Thanks to the big E, Eric Cohen. Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babana, will step up and in in level three and uh, join us. We'll talk more college football. We'll take a look at Thursday's uh, card, Friday's card, Saturday's card. College football is rapidly uh, approaching as far as the top 25 uh, teams are concerned. The USC Trojans, of course, played the San Jose State Spartans, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Word action. I want to tip my cap, though, to the people who I mocked and said, I don't know what you guys are betting on when you're taking a UMass Minutemen. And what I should have, like, remembered is, well, they are playing the New Mexico State Aggies. <laughs> so so props to the so-called Sharps. Uh, you were sharp for moving that number, and you were correct. Um, although, at the same point in time, you know, the same so-called Sharps all love the Ohio Bobcats uh, as well. And I know they're going to hang their hat on, well, Curtis Work got hurt, but... Whatever. Curtis Rourke was actually struggling anyways uh, when he did get uh, injured. That was a nice win for the San, uh, San Diego State uh, Aztecs. All right. I spoke. To, I brought this up earlier, but this is so cool that the kid deserves, um, this deserves to be talked about again. So Little League World Series, Little League World Series uh, final was today. And um, the team from El Segundo, California, uh, made it to the championship game. And it was an epic, crazy championship game. <laughs> All right, like we we had a little bit of everything, man. There were there were grand slams. Um, there there were grand slams. There were comebacks. There were walk off home runs. It, it had a little bit of everything. But this kid, uh, Lewis Lappy, six foot one, so he's twelve years old. And he's not one of these, you know, he's 6'1's pretty big for 12, though. Let's call it up for what it is, right? So he's 6'1, he's 12 years old. He's he's 12 years old, nine months. 
So I guess the deal is, you, you know, you got to be in the 12 still. You can be like, you know, you, you can't be a day over um, uh, 12 years old. So as far as like his age was concerned, you know what I mean? He's 12, 12 years, nine months. He's a little bit deeper into the spectrum here. He was the biggest kid on the team, um, but just an absolute dominant performance. And I'm, you know, let's remember his name and see see what happens to him moving forward in his life. And we wish him the best of uh, we wish him the best of success. Hopefully. I don't know. I was going to say hopefully he's a Major League Baseball player, but maybe that's not what he ends up wanting to be when it's all said and done. That's what I'm curious about. Any of us that have played sports all have our shining moment, all have that heartbreaking moment. Um, you know, I've told the story. I won hockey championships, but I lost in a Final Four in a city championship that was like just like you know heartbreaking. I was the goalie. We lost one nothing. <laughs> so, I you know, mean, I you know I sort of remember the painful losses more than the wins. But I was on a lot of winning teams. Like we won a lot. Um, like I had a lot of freaking trophies when I was a kid. So like we won a lot. And, you know, you always have that, you know, you know, remember when that happened and stuff. But imagine hitting a walk-off home run in the Little League World Series. But this kid, this kid seems to have a pretty good future ahead of him if he wants to play uh, baseball or who knows. Remember Matt Castle, the quarterback. He, he was in a Little League World Series, ended up in the International Football League and with the USC Trojans. So... Uh, Lappy was just like unbelievable. He finished six for seven. Uh, he finished six for seven with two hits in uh, each of the team's uh, three games. On the mound, he struck out twelve batters across eight innings. He only gave up one hit, and only in in um, in only one of his three appearances. A so he hit a solo home run that accounted for California's only run and a loss to Texas during the quarterfinals. His nine strikeouts, uh, he threw nine strikeouts in another qualification game after, facing elimination against Rhode Island. He struck out nine, allowed just one hit, two walks across three and two-third innings. Remember, he is a little leaguer, right? They're not going nine innings. So, <laughs> um, California won the game 9-3. Pitch count rules kept Lappy off the mound against Tennessee on Wednesday. He went three for three at the plate with a two-run opposite field home run in the fifth inning uh, that ended up winning the baseball game. All right, then with a rematch against Texas, who they lost to in the quarterfinals, so they played Texas in the in the, in the U.S. championship. He drove in five runs on two hits, including a three-run shot. He pitched five and one-third. One run, three hit uh, baseball. Struck out ten batters in five and a third innings. And now today against uh, Carousel in the championship, world championship game. See, this really is a world series. Because teams from all over the world are in it. As Noah Lyles, the track and field champion... I retweeted this, and, you know, we got a lot of feedback from this tweet, and a lot of people are attacking him and this and that, and I agree with him personally. 
in which he basically said, you know, I see the, you know, the teams in America, and he goes, like the Denver Nuggets. He goes, I saw them win the championship, and they call themselves world champions. And he said, you're not world champions. He said, you, you won in the United States. You didn't win a world championship. And I totally, it's bothered me for years. Oh, we're world champions. No, you're not world champions. You're not. Well, we're the best league. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't hear Man City saying they're world champions because they won the EPL and people say, well, we're the best league, so we're world champions. The World Series has always bothered me. It should be called the M- the Major League Baseball Finals, like the NBA Finals, right? See, you notice the Stanley Cup. They don't call themselves world champions. They call themselves Stanley Cup champions, Super Bowl champions. You're not world champions. You're Super Bowl champions. Now, football is a little bit different because it's not played in, you know, it is played in a lot of countries, but like Emmett Smith wanted, uh, wondered and wanted like a, um, a dream team and he wanted football in the Olympics, which at the time people kind of scoffed and laughed at him and they said, well, who are you going to play? It's going to be what, like USA versus Canada? But the thing is, there are a lot of countries that play football uh, now. And truth be told, I don't know, how many other stupid sports are in the Olympics? Like, would it really be that stupid to put football in the Olympics? American football? I don't really actually think it is now. And in fact, I see we got our boy Mick Aussie, who's no doubt celebrating the Edmonton Elks uh, victory. Mick knows all about the World Junior Global Football Championships. Long, long name. <laughs> But it was super cool. And, you know, this is my point about don't assume anyone's going to win anything. All right? So basically when uh, Paul Tagliabue was the commissioner of the National Football League, before this, you know, this goes back, like Roger Goodell shut it down. And it wasn't really Roger Goodell that, that personally wanted to shut it down. But so what it was, it was a tournament, a football tournament, and it was like before the Super Bowl. So it was in whatever city the Super Bowl was in, and it wouldn't be on the, you know, obviously it wouldn't be on the field of the Super Bowl because they're paid in the field and stuff, but it'd be in the same city. And it would be in like a high school stadium, or I did the game, I did play-by-play for Canada versus um, Ohio, USA, at the Pontiac Silverdome. So at times it was in big stadiums, but other times it would be in a high school stadium. And like, so anyways, it was... um, It was like the high school all-stars. It was the high school all-stars of whatever state the Super Bowl was in. So, like, when the Super Bowl was in New Orleans, it was all kids that were, like, high school seniors that were going to LSU or going to Tulane or going to Alabama. So they had already had, you know what I mean? They were already recruited. They were like studs. So it was like the the best kids in the state, essentially. Right? So before they, like, it was like their last, it was like an all-star game. So their seasons were already over. And then they played in this all-star game type of thing. And then they would go on to their colleges. So I'm so old. I remember Brian Johnson was the quarterback in Houston, Texas. And now he's like an offensive coordinator that looks all old and stuff (laughs) with the Utah Utes. Um, But it was super cool. And so it was the teams from the state and stuff. And you had teams from Canada, Mexico, Germany, Japan, 
So that's what I'm saying. So, like, it, there actually is. Teams are playing from around the world. And the powers that be didn't like it because Canada kept on beating the United States. And it was a bad look. Right, because it was like, man, you know, these are all like our all stars and stuff, and they're losing to these Canadian teenagers. But the thing is, the Canadian teenagers were like two years older. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying about the Little League World Series. So like most of the kids that were like on all these all star teams were 17 years old. The kids on Canada were like 18 and 19. Canada has high school, but there's um. You have to go to, like, junior college first. Like, you, you don't go from high school into, like, full college. But there's, like, a less year of high school or something. You know what I mean? So whatever. So so made, long story short, a year or two made a difference. Like, the kids on Canada were a little bit bigger. So, like, the skill position players on the U.S. teams would, like, be, like, you know, dominant kids that were going to LSU and Alabama and stuff, and they would fly by people. But in the trenches, it was a battle. So that's my whole point. Like, so, like, World Series champions, you're not the World Series. You're not, like, how, like, how can you call it a World Series? Are you playing the team from the Japanese league? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Are we playing the Venezuelan champion? And I don't want to hear, well, it's automatic that they would beat them. I don't know. Prove it. Prove it. It was also automatic that Russia would beat the United States in 1980, and that's how we ended up with the Miracle on Ice. I mean, we played, we, how many, we, we played, uh, what, five of these World Baseball Classics now? Five World Baseball Classics? Japan won three of them. Seems to be a common pattern here. But yeah, but, you know, yeah, yeah, but what? So what, it would have been if Aaron Judge was there? What do you want? Like, what would have been the difference? People, like, wanted to, come, you know, use the excuse that America lost because they didn't have their best pitchers there to Japan in the World Baseball Classic. I don't know. Okay. But you made it to the championship game, and Merrill Kelly started the game and gave up, like, one run. So I, so what, would Verlander have pitched a shutout? Like, you're not World Series champions. Beat the Japanese champion. Beat them. You know, that's why we have world championships. Like, you know, like seriously, they're league champions. But these kids from California and El Segundo can call themselves world champions. You beat everybody in the world. Everybody in the world played in the Little League World Series. Is it wrong for me to wondering where a 12-year-old's going to go to school? Well, I'll say USC. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Las Vegas running back Josh Jacobs signs a new one-year deal uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now that the uh, details of the contract are coming out, it's very interesting in which I don't know why or what happened, but he actually played them somehow. And actually, like, they could, the, remember the franchise tag was $10.1 million dollars. Right, so that was the whole thing that he didn't want. He didn't want to get franchise tagged for 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 the ten point one million dollars. Now there are reports that the Raiders offered like uh, twenty two for two years as an extension, and he wasn't down with that either. So, but this is what's interesting. In which I got to tell you, well played by Josh Jacobs. So many players get played by NFL teams. Like he actually it doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually is what he what he pulled off here. He signed a one year twelve million dollar deal. So he signed a one year twelve instead of like they didn't you know what I mean he got twelve million instead of getting tagged for 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 ten point one. But now this means if they want to tag him next year, since they didn't tag him this year, they could tag him next year. He would have to get paid at least $14 million. So, in other words, he just turned what was 10.1 slash 22 million for two years into a guaranteed 26 for two years. You see what I'm saying? He's getting 12 million this year, and now if they want to tag him next year, they're going to have to pay him $14 million. So, I don't know. You never, I don't know what the Raiders are doing. <laughs> That's my whole deal. It's like, why wouldn't you have just tagged him for the 10.1 then and put yourself in this position where now you're going to have to pay him 14 next year? I I don't know. Do they, number one, they either want to make him happy, which I doubt, or number two, they figure he's not going to be here next year anyways. But I don't know with the Raiders. It's like playing craps at the, uh, the Bellagio. Who knows? <laughs> You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. 
that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.